so uh so i have a question for you um mm -hmm. is there a term for the experience as a star wars fan where you get really excited about an announcement and then you realize that it's two or three years in the future it's supposed to be anticipation but it certainly doesn't feel like that i was gonna say i don't think anticipation quite captures that i mean i'm happy that we get to talk about the series that we do have and we're not like mm -hmm. it's not like your favorite sports team sucking and you're like oh in the future the the lando series will save everything right <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so well, here's the we problem. a good one but <laughs> this is what it felt like it felt like my sister's like my husband and i have an announcement and you're like all right sure and they're like we're pregnant and you're like that's amazing and they're like with 10 babies at once <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be born in a succession uh in a succession of things in the future at times in the future <laughs> exactly and it's going to be like once a month for a long time we're just going to keep dropping babies and we're just going to need you guys to be here to pick them up <laughs> we want you to treat each baby as though it's your favorite don't let the other ones know yeah, exactly. I know a droid story might be more up your alley, but also, you don't know what this. I forget one of the other titles. Can like, I tell you more about Acolyte? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or perhaps the you know the 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 series we all been hoping for, uh, Carson Tiva, uh, Captain Carson Tiva, uh, reprises his role in rangers of the new republic <laughs> yeah exactly and like you just get the knock on the door and you open it and it's like hi i'm rangers of the new republic and you're like no! <laughs> no just bring me ashoka yeah in fact i heard one of the new announcements star wars is making is the salacious crumb holiday special where his family <laughs> is just only speaking monkey lizard only only you well maybe you and like four other people would be truly excited about that i think but you know but, we we give a lot of laughs totally, totally <laughs> the laugh track right? for that would be insane okay. it would be insane <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right yeah. andy you ready to start the new yes. episode I, all right i'm ready are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, is this the way? We've reached it. Chapter 15, episode two, uh, or episode season two, episode seven, The Believer. Yes. Which uh, first reference to the monkeys, I believe they've made. Yeah, it is. Uh, in now in canon. <laughs> yeah. Smash Mouth, Monkeys, and Neil Diamond now in canon, which I've been waiting for the whole time. Yeah, we, we've always been hoping for this, right? This is the That's moment right. we've been waiting. This is the moment Monkeys fans have been waiting for. I've been waiting the whole time, like, which Monkey song are they going to reference first? And we got it. <laughs> uh, know, I am Aaron Michael Marsh, your host. With me, as always, also your host, Andy Leonard. Right. Hello. Thank you very much. Star Wars historian. I'm going to start giving you that as a title. <laughs> So in 10, 15 years, when you get interviewed for some other Star Wars thing on the bottom, I'll be like Star Wars historian and no one's yeah. going to blank. They're going to be like, yep. like, hey, I'm a B minus, but I'm a Star Wars. Uh, I'm a Star Wars historian. Yeah, you're going to be the aliens guy for Star Wars. And that's what I'm trying to get to, for you. I appreciate that. You know, that's a it's, it's a sign of what a great person you are. I would definitely put up with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, that's a totally different podcast. You should look. Like that. But. <laughs> 
I know, I know. Uh, we'll we'll get this recap going here. For sure. I've done the last couple of recaps and I felt like yep. it was unfair for me to keep going on that. And so I sent you a text uh, yep. Friday morning, like, hey, you're doing this one. Hope yeah. you made notes, Andy, because I and made notes of things to argue with you about. I, I was, I was going to say the the thing for me, the, the interesting thing is to kind of go, oh, I wonder I wonder where Aaron's going to want to, you know, where, where are you going to want to slot in different things? I think there's a lot going on in mm-hmm. this episode. So as mentioned at the beginning, uh, we have Rick uh, Famuyiwa again as our director. Uh, he did The Prisoner on uh, season one. I believe writing credit is John Favreau, and we begin in uh, in a uh, pretty much a spot we knew we probably would get to, um, but we didn't probably know we'd start out right away, and that's the Carthon Chop Fields. So last episode, we find out that Migs Mayfield is serving fifty years as a result of what went down in the prisoner. Yes. Did you notice the the spaceship that we started on? I did. Yes. Okay. So, so well, no, and and and, and eagle eye, uh, eagle-eyed viewers, dear listener, as I know you are, uh, the overhead shot. So, I, 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 part of me wants to know how many Star Wars stories start with uh, looking up at a ship overhead, flying, you know, flying from the top of the frame into the frame. Uh, mm-hmm. But we see the actual New Republic, or we see the same class of prison freighter. Uh, that we saw in season one from the the prisoner and they're bringing in you know clearly new uh new individuals to be uh laborers uh dismantle uh, various machinery um and it's basically a salvage yard hence the chop fields um and so we start out we yeah for space heathcliff yes (laughs) (laughs) of course we start out uh and with you know in essence a shot in this just giant star wars junkyard we see another repurposed uh, ATAT as a crane that's lifting and placing a, a, a smashed yep. and when I saw that, I was like, fighter. "Oh, Andy's gonna love this." Oh yeah, and I was super, super into that. And then we we basically begin with Mayfield trying to dismantle part of a the cockpit of a Tie Fighter. Um, we we see this really kind of of ominous shot, low shot with the uh, baton of one of the security droids, and at first I thought it might be one of the K two series from uh, K two SO is um, that security series, but it's the same security droids that we saw again in the prisoner. Uh, we see that Marshal uh, Marshal Cara Dune is uh, abusing her new powers um, bestowed upon her. Uh, yeah, like every remains. police officer I've ever met. Yeah, they of find course. a way to. <laughs> to bend it every time well and, and she's uh she basically gets uh um migs uh, remanded into her custody so I, I think there's a little bit of a nod at least to me the interesting part of this was uh in essence that her presence as a marshal allows them to basically land slave one like very close to where migs is and then they're able to sort of just loosely take him away like kind of no questions asked so yeah, it would be like uh, if I, one of the blues brothers was picked up in the yard yeah, like, like they just drove the thing straight. There was no office he had to walk through. They yeah, just drove straight so, to him like, hey, that's the one. I realize that, you know, that to a certain degree in my head, I'm, I'm thinking of all of the all of the armaments and measures that you have to go to to get to a lot of people that are in prison in dramas. And we basically have uh, we have a security droid with an electric baton uh, and that, you mm-hmm. know, and 
clearly oh and then uh the star wars equivalent of house arrest uh ankle ankle bracelets i guess was mm-hmm. was the one thing they also had so uh we we had this beautiful moment where uh <laughs> where migs isn't being told where he's where he's being brought and uh kara's leading him over to slave one and descending out of uh, Slave One is Boba Fett with some sweet new armor painted, or his, I refurbished. Should say not, yeah, I shouldn't say new armor, new paint job on the old armor, and we get this just delightful looks double good. take. You got a matte finish. Yeah. Oh man, it looks so good. Uh, and we get now. Um, well, well, it's not a huge thing, but I think that he's also got his uh, EE6 uh, carbine rifle, or at least a, a really close variation to it. For so. If, those that are like weaponer fans, um, it was very much uh, the like the epic kind of Boba Fett uh, look that we sort of are are uh, sort of used to or expecting. Um, yeah, but that peak double Empire. take. Yeah, the double take that we get from uh, Mayfield is great. He's like, "Oh, I thought you were someone else," and then mm-hmm. we see Din roll out. Uh, and so the the that part i'm curious here on on your take that that introduction is not at all the way i thought din and mayfield seeing each other again was going to go down Mm -hmm. it's very much a signal to us i think that he's a different a little bit of a different guy for sure yeah no we're seeing that uh he's definitely not holding a grudge he's asking a guy for a favor although he didn't explain that to the man so he could be on his most defensive i think on purpose and i uh I thought it was great. And I think Bill Burr did a great job acting in that scene to go from a smile to an, Oh no, look like, yeah. In a second, it was great. Well, and then you, you really get that like kind of stomach drop kind of feel as, uh, as Fennec and Boba come out mm-hmm. and there's, you know, just sort of like, he feels like in essence, almost like a, uh, you know, like space mob job here that he's going to, he's basically going to get knocked For off. Sure. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, so we, uh, they they now that he's in uh Caradun's custody they bring him inside uh slave one we get um some interior shots of slave one which i i first time ever outside of really uh, really cut to uh cockpit shots yeah never seen anything more than that yep and and we see you know we basically see boba flying like co-pilot um Mm -hmm. in in, in, in a very similar uh, two, two seat in, uh, behind the pilot seat setup that is in the Razor Crest, right? I, I was just one of these mm-hmm. things that kind of notice when you're starting to look at like the different variations. So we get that. The probably the coolest part here is is uh, something that I don't know if has troubled you as a kid, but I always it was always bothersome to me that uh, the way in which the slave one flew up and then tilted and flew forward. Like that bothered I, me even as an adult to watch so like we, the way, like he took yeah. off two episodes ago and then it was like spinning around. And you're like, how are they not all puking? Yeah. And so we now know how they're not puking that there's this uh, yeah. sort of uh, gravitational like rotating, uh, rotating access, like kind of, uh, and, and that that's keeping them in a, in a, while they're at least atmospheric, keeping them in a situation mm-hmm. where they're, um, they're able to be um, level up. So, um, so we start to get a, a bit of a plan uh, of, you know, what, what is needed out of MIGS. Um, and so they want Mayfield's uh, knowledge of Imperial protocols and kind of what they do and how they track uh, movements in general. We find out that uh, Mayfield thinks that, well, he needs access to an, an internal Imperial terminal 
and that he thinks that there will be one at a secret refinery in Morak. Uh, and so that, in ooh, essence, ooh, is <laughs> that is in essence is where we we imagine that we're going to be headed. Um, much like the much like the siege, it's a refinery that people think. Well, one, it's a secret refinery, and then two, they 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 uh, are are in essence talking about it being possibly abandoned. And then Boba kind of reigns on their parade and says he's done a scan, and it looks like they've got an entire platoon of stormtroopers there. So, yeah. uh, which I immediately googled Morak to find out that yes. it was a part of the aftermath book series. But I only found that it was in the aftermath book series. Yeah, and and we, you know, we so we're we're in essence getting a lot of deep cuts as far as locations. And so, you mm -hmm. know, in essence, anytime we do this, where we go to, you know, we go to a cool Star Wars space junkyard, we go to a planet that we really haven't seen. I always want to like uh, sort of cry out to the people that are upset about Tatooine. It's like, hey, look, <laughs> we are going to other mm -hmm. places other than Tatooine. Um, so. So then we're, we get an idea of what's going on. Um, in essence, we, we're, we're looking for or looking at how they're going to get in. And we find out that the purpose of this place is it's a Rhydonium uh, refinery. So uh -huh. what we know about Rhydonium, we can come back to this, is that... No, I'm freaking out, no. It's a classic Star Wars explosive. Yes, it's unstable and it's explosive, right? And so that's, but it is a classic, it is a classic. So it's like it's, a relationship, except it's in a little tight red box. Exactly. And, you know, as, uh, as you're saying, you know, just mentioning the Rhydonium is in, in essence is um, a favorite explosive of Sabine Wren uh, in Star mm -hmm. Wars Rebels. She points out that, that it's one of her true old friends. Sabine Wren loves blowing things up. Uh, and then Rhydonium has made appearances in uh, in Rebels and in Clone Wars and potentially other spots. Um, some comic books. I've heard some storyline about how someone put one in a gonk droid and then sent it off uh, so they can well, know just to shoot the gonk droid and watch it explode. A little hit. Well, in, in, in the backstory, at least, um, the part of the part of the riches of Jabba the Hutt is that he ran um, he ran other Rhydonium um, operations. And so, you know, oh. we, we've talked a little bit about the vac tube or the, you know, the, the Star Wars mm -hmm. toilet. One of the other things that didn't come up in a lot of the feature films is the need for fuel. And that's something that has come up uh, that comes up pretty regularly in the animated series of all things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, something that they're pitching to younger audiences, but then the idea of needing to fuel and refuel and running out of fuel as a starship comes up really regularly in uh, in Clone Wars and Rebels, and then also in uh, and Star Back Wars to the Future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Rhydonium is also at least an older in some of the older class of ships. Rhydonium is a, is a fuel for those as well. So. Perfect. So, yeah. Uh, so they decide they're going to go ahead and take a closer look, or they're flying to Morak. They're going to take a closer look. Um, they, in essence, are trying to figure out what their plan is. So, you know, we get to the logistics of what's the plan? What are we going to do? And they're figuring out, okay, well, eventually they need to get Mayfield into this place. They don't trust him to go in by himself and get the information and come back out. So they're, you know, at least concerned enough that he'll 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 turn on them and turn them into the Imperials. So they have to figure out who goes in with Mayfield. Uh -huh. Which they and, get a great line out of Boba Fett. 
they do right and so we start to play process of elimination right and it's in essence you know we can't have cara dune because she's a rebel dropper and they're going to have her on the record and they can't do that and then it's like well let's use fennec right and Mm -hmm. fennec's like no actually the uh, imperial security bureau which is what the isb is um she's wanted by them as well of course she is. And then we come like every and then we gunner. come Yeah, of course. Well, I mean any any good mercenary, right? And then we come to Boba. And Boba has potentially the most epic of reasons for not going. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say they'd recognize my face. Yeah. What I mean that, that was just an amazing shot. And although to tell you the for, truth, I thought that was the reason he was gonna be the one destined to go in, because there's so many of him cloned. Yep. Yes. Um, but for those that don't know, he is one of many clones. They yes. cloned him, and so there's essentially a million people genetically just like him out there. And so I thought that yeah. would be perfect because mask or none, you know, anything, like, you would just look at him blindly. It's a face that the Imperials would know so well yep. that it's not even like, oh, that not, might not even be my friend that looks like that. That's just another clone. And, and I kind of was – I thought that was kind of interesting because immediately I love the line, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. And then – in I think your your line of thinking is potentially what a few of our listeners are going to be like. Well, why wouldn't they have sent him in? Like he's got yeah. sort of plausible deniability. So the the only thing I can come up with is just an aside is is you know in essence um, maybe there's a good shot that the remnants of uh, the empire don't the clones. Um, so the only thing I can offer you is this, and this is like super super nerdy, so you can laugh at me. But Boba is the only non age altered clone or he is at least amongst a small number of people who are not. I was curious about that. I was also curious if maybe they started doing a genocide of the clones. And that's, and I was just going to say, that's the other thing is, is we don't know if they've per like, in essence, what they may be implying is that the, Mm -hmm. that the ranks have purged the clones, Uh, but they would have been, they would have been significantly old at this point because of rapid aging. So anyway, know your Camino plot lines. Um, So, (laughs) So we end up with with the person no one asks because, of course, he can't go in and that's Dan because he's not going to take his helmet off. So it turns out. Which leads me to a question later. But Dan goes ahead along the way. He goes for the ride. Din Din does go for the ride. Uh, Interesting bit, though, is that he uses his helmet sight to see what the pilot, what the actual pilots of of the cargo vehicles are using or wearing. Mm -hmm. And he can see that they have helmets. So he's like, I'll go, but I'm not showing my face. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was just a, that little exchange is some of the things I really, I really love the most yeah. um, kind of out, good story of, out of that. So um, turns out that these, these are like uh, juggernaut vehicles. We've seen these before in uh, episode three and then a variation of this we've seen in, in sort of a security prison uh, setup in Rogue One. Um, but in essence, they're like, they're like the Star Wars equivalent of of what you would see in Australia as like road trains or like you know semis with multiple with yeah, multiple exactly. trailers. Yeah, exactly. Sixteen wheelers. Yeah, so they're so they're in in that sort of uh, vein. And so what we see then is that they have to go through a, a series of tunnels in order for them to make it to the refinery. And in essence, our our good heroes, um, Cara Dune, uh, then Din and Mayfield, drop in on one almost like a, a train heist that we might see mm-hmm. in in sort of an old west. Uh, and then they go ahead and take out that crew. Um, that crew is uh, their imperial. 
and Mayfield actually says their exact designation at one point. Um, they're, but so any, they, they have armor. And so they're Imperial combat assault tank pilots. And so Mando uh, away in privacy switches out of his Beskar armor and into this, uh, this setup. Just as an aside, the armor actually is, we, we've seen the helmets in uh, Rogue One, the tank pilots in Rogue One and Jetta have that helmet, but the actual, the actual armor that we see of it is like the mud troopers or the swamp troopers that are in Midban um, in Solo. So, hey. so like if you look at the coloring of the pauldrons and then the chest piece, it's very much like mm -hmm. these mud mud troopers or swamp troopers. Yeah, this whole like, episode looked like they went through the props and costumes yeah. of Rogue One and Solo for but, the most part. Those and, two and, more than any. Yeah, there and there's these cool callbacks, right? And it, and it's all stuff that would be sort of in service from that sort of recon and 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 reuse uh, perspective. That chess piece that they have on is um, is also what you see in Empire Strikes Back with General Veers when General Veers is in the at, uh, when he's in the AT-AT oh. in the habit. It's the yeah, same nice. same sort of of um, actual piece that armor piece. So only reason I mention this is because we'll we'll, we'll talk in a second about uh, about well one this really, this troopers. show is. Yeah, well, well, not just that, but the 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 armor's disutility in comparison to into comparison to the best car. But um, and then for us, I think I don't know about you, uh, just like I became very very fond of the Razor Crest as though it were it, a character in and of itself. I find myself paying attention to the armor more and more. And I know as someone who's crazy about props like you. Um, for all uh, movies that you know you're paying you're paying close attention to the, that sort of stuff as well so for sure so yeah i've definitely been looking at the helmets of every stormtrooper to be like because there are small differences between a new hope empire and jedi helmets yep and since they're pulling from that so they're mostly pulling from jedi helmets but it was yeah. like a thing where like you're trying to spot an, a new a new hope helmet or something from the 501 but it's, that's totally here and there there that's nothing to do yeah with the yeah you're not there that's just but what i'm watching yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so now here we are. We've we've got our two heroes that are going to be trying to to infiltrate. They're now driving. They're driving this Rodonium truck, and we now figure out that the fact that it's explosive and unstable now is a major part of our plot line for the mm -hmm. next say fifteen minutes or so. Um, so we find out that rough driving could lead to a big bada boom, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we see some explosions. So There's some warnings. Yeah, so they're we like, need to, oh, you know, cool! People are blowing us up, and we're clearly driving straight into the line of fire. We will be attacked. And it's 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 sort of his uh, famous last words, right? So they get in there, everything's sort of set up, and Din says uh, to Migs, you know, we just need to drive steady. Everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And so while they're driving steady, they have this uh, rather epic um, back and forth uh, about sort of ideologies in, in the Star Wars universe. And in essence, Mayfield says that they're all the same, Republic or, or, or New Republic, I should say, Empire, they're all invaders. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there's this sort of, of back and forth. And Din is, is very emphatic that him and Mayfield are nothing alike. Um, and so I, I think this was, was a, a masterful little bit of dialogue back and forth. Um, Bill Burr just basically toured a force the whole episode. I was just incredibly. Oh yeah, he really did everything. And I felt like that really brought the energy of apocalypse now with it. Like yeah. when I was like watching that whole scene, I was like, this is very apocalypse now with the explosions and then the looking back oh. and forth, like, 
you know, we're both feeling the same way towards each other. Like this is, we're yeah. both strangers in a strange land. Well, and Morak has that sort of jungle, uh, jungle climate, much uh, like Scarif has um, in Rogue One. So, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that we've got the, the, that trooper, that variant of trooper there is, is interesting. And then the, the foreshadowing of Mayfield's comments about, you know, everybody has a line that the, they say it is there until things get so bad that they then have to cross it. Uh, and so I think this was, you know, just that sort of back and forth um, is, is just super, super amazing. Just a quick aside, just because I know I, I know at least two or three people will mention this. The I can't see anything line is a nod. I'm I'm almost certain to uh, to Luke and Han or something yeah, like that who puts one of those. Yeah. New Luke and Han in uh, New Hope end up in the Stormtrooper gear. And so uh, Mayfield saying I can't see anything and he actually takes the helmet off. Um, I loved yeah, also him. Luke said, him, like, like, I can not say anything. Like, it was yeah, almost line for line perfect. It was like word for word. Yep. Perfect. Um, and uh, <laughs> except there's a little more of that whiny tone that Luke is so amazing at delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, we, we start seeing explosions along the tree lines. We know there's something ominous coming. Uh, we get a little bit of like going through the various inhabitants, um, you know, like the people that really do live there. And then we get, in essence, this line that the the people that are blowing up the other transports. So we see two other transports blow up. And we see one of them that we actually that they actually drive d- directly past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know we see this uh, we we see in essence the coming of what Din calls pirates. But let's be let's be honest, these are not pirates. Pirates would have stolen what they were carrying. These are yeah. straight up insurgents. And, and so there's something else kind of going on that really they didn't really talk about, but Mayfield is really hinting at, which is they don't want the empire there. Just like Grief Karga did not want the empire in Navarro anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a similar way of trying of these individuals trying to, to purge um, the presence overall. I did try to look up on the alien race. This it's at least from a Wikipedia perspective, they're unidentified. They haven't made an mm. appearance before and they don't mm. have a name. Um, but then we, we, in essence, we, in essence, get the star Wars version of a cross between a train heist and Mad Max Fury road. And mm-hmm. in essence, the next five minutes become an escort mission from like video games. <laughs> How can we make it? from where we are without blowing up to make it to the actual refinery. So, so we get a bunch of sequence with, with Din actually fighting off the pirates. They've got thermal detonators. You'll recognize those from, uh, from Return Jedi. of the Jedi. Yeah, and they're and like, then, they're used commonly in all the Star Wars. Anything you want to make explode, you need a thermal detonator. Yeah, if you've ever played a Star Wars video game, you recognize the thermal detonator. They're perfect. Uh, and so we, we, get, we start to see the armor actually failing. So Din is used to fighting with Beskar and he's, you know, throwing up his, he's throwing up his wrists. He's trying to block things and we see the armor just shatter. And it, it's yeah. almost like what we saw uh, Boba do to the troopers uh, back on Tython with his gaffy stick. And so somehow Din makes it through that whole sequence they're able to, in essence, get rid of everybody. And then a, a final wave comes and you're like, how are they going to get past this? And high fighters to the rescue. So this was a, a perfect juxtaposition from the siege where we hear the TIE fighter sound and it's a bad thing. Now we hear the TIE fighter sound and it's a totally good thing. Right? Yeah. Which I don't know. Like a, 
they went over a bridge and I don't know if the type letters yes. are not allowed to defend anything past the bridge as if it's an embassy or if that was just the timing of how long it took to get the TIE fighters manned and out. I, yeah, I would imagine that was just an artifact of how long it took to scramble them because we don't mm-hmm. know where, where, where they really came from. But I really feel like that bridge was actually, uh, we cross, when we cross over that bridge, we really get this giant perspective switch. We don't mm-hmm. see a lot of things from the Imperial, um, sort of the Imperial side of, of things yeah, in, for this, sure. in this way. So, you know, the, the line from Mayfield is like, uh, you know, never thought you'd be happy to see stormtroopers, right? And, and really, here they are. They're being saved by the same crew of people that they're actually trying to take out. Um, so we get this sort of hero's welcome. Turns out that out of all the transports in that day, they're the only ones who make it. And now we're in the setup where, hey, we've got to go. Now we're here. we got to do the thing that we need to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wish we Mayfield. did pass some coastal troopers from Rogue One. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, so that was also troopers. interesting to see the mix of those troopers. Yeah. Mostly and, Rogue and we'll One see, and regular like Return of the Jedi troopers. And we'll see more of them in a, in a little bit in the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Mayfield basically directs us to, you know, now we're there. With, this is what we brought Migs there for. And he says the, the terminal is going to be in the officer's mess. Mayfield goes in to actually go get the information. Turns out he sees someone that he served under turns around and he's like, we're done. This is over. Like we're burned. Like we've got to get out of here. And this, uh, you know, he's like, I, I know Valen Hess. I served under him. And then Din's like, okay, well, how is he going to, is he going to recognize you? Right. He's like trying to talk him down from this. And in essence uh, you know, he's like, well, I have no other choice, but then for me to go do it. So Din walks in, tries to access the terminal with the helmet on nah, mm-hmm. doesn't work and we see he actually removes his helmet yeah which He's, is so that's a almost two seasons in the making yes so this like is a huge little uh or a huge moment may seem little um you know to the casual viewer but this is a giant move so now he's actually crossing this line that he said he won't cross which shows you that he now loves the child more than he loves the creed yes and the child means more than Mm -hmm. uh, child means more than the way right yeah and so uh din gets the coordinates um and wait but do you know why his face could scan so that's a very good question and so uh uh i don't have so the short answer is no but i think it's very very i think it's very very interesting that his face so so the way they the way that the way that i think that we're meant to take it as viewers is he wasn't wanted okay and therefore he was accepted but that doesn't make sense when you inspect it a bit more right yeah no it sounds like this is the kind of thing that only certain people should have access to and so maybe he's done something for the imperials that have now given him a little extra access and he's in their system we don't know yeah i i want to know the answer to that too maybe that's something we find out in season three well and so you know we're going to go back and, and go back through season one. And so the thing for me about this moment in time is the panic that Din had in chapter eight in season, the final mm-hmm. episode in season one, which was uh, the fact that Moff Gideon knew his name. Yeah. And, 
and he explains that away as, oh, he must have been in the imperial ranks during the purge, and uh-huh. that's how he got my name. So that this moment made me wonder, did, did Din actually serve in the Empire? Like, was he part? It's was he very part possible. Of, yeah. At this point, so, now that I saw that his face got scanned, I'm like, oh, there's a very large possibility of that. Yeah. So, you know, again, this is a perfect time if you have a theory about this to share your theory through radio. I have no theory about this. No, this is just (laughs) a reigning question that was raised in this episode. I I, and I had I had the same kind of thing where I was like, okay, this is something that that may be big, you know, in a season or two. But Mm -hmm. this the fact that he could scan was like, okay, is this like, you know, bad? I think it's it's major foreshadowing that's coming up. It's just a moment right now. But in future seasons will be big. Uh, so after that, the Imperial yeah. officer walked over because he was calling him. He didn't respond, asking for some uh, IDs, some TK numbers. Yes. Which we know TK numbers are the identifying marks for it's your ID as a stormtrooper. Yeah, it's, your call, it's basically your call sign, right? Which we've seen since the beginning of Star Wars and A New Hope when they were wearing the stormtrooper costumes. And they asked Han Solo what his TK number is. And if he was okay, he just panicked and shot the communication yes. device. It was like, we're going to get visitors. So it was almost like that moment for Dan. Yeah. To be like the and, TK numbers. And then Bill Burr comes back to save the day. Miggs comes back with a great response. Well, he comes that- back with his his ship had depressurized mm-hmm. uh, in, in the in Battle Tanab, of Tanab, Which so was to- mentioned by Lando. It's where Orlando yes. was the hero pre-Jedi. Yes. In between Empire and Jedi, Lando had a mission, the Battle of Tanab. Yep. And apparently this fake character lost his hearing in it when his ship was depressurized. And so we, you know, we in essence get Mayfield um in us, you know, trying to sort of snowball the guy. Um mm-hmm. he he jokingly says, you know, that we just call him brown eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh and then tries to pull him away so they can complete their TPS reports. Which, Office space. Uh, is, office space reference and and if we miss that i know that we will hear about it um Mm -hmm. and so you know in essence uh we get this sort of rundown and it looks like hess is trying to like sort of sort of suss them out but really it kind of boils down to him wanting to have a drink with them since they're the only ones who made their shipment that day and and so we get sort of this um, very sort of odd, almost uh, ing- the Inglorious Bastards uh, bar scene, but in the Star Wars universe. Um, and so they're sitting now. Now we have Din, no helmet, sitting mm-hmm. down with uh, Valen Hess uh, and Mayfield. Yeah, that's like sitting down uh, with your principal, Wiener out. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> and it's he doesn't realize it yet, and you're like, no, no, this is super uncomfortable for everyone. And you Everyone's are the only involved. one that doesn't realize it. And Mayfield, like a good comedian, uh, wants to make it even more uncomfortable. So when they can't figure out, uh, you know, the, the Hess says he doesn't want to just toast to health or anything else. Uh, Mayfield suggests that they toast to Operation Cinder. And Operation oh. Cinder, as some will know, but others won't, this was the sort of last ditch effort for the Empire to regain control after the Battle of Endor. And they went ahead and burned and destroyed planets with whatever firepower they had left. And one of those planets was Burnin' Khan. And which turns was out... In, what game was this in? This was in a game. 
I, I think it was in Battlefield game... 2, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll hear about it. Um, exactly. But... I will be corrected <laughs> in the DMs and never mention it in an episode. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I think it appears it may be it may be bad. It's one of the battlefields. Uh, it's also it also appears maybe it is Battlefield 2 because there's this weird there's this weird cut sequence where the spirit of the of the emperor is sort of like still kind of shown as being alive and then the, this is sort of his like yeah like a projection plan. effect in a hollow body yeah it's like the tupac ghost but the star wars version um mm-hmm. so he's clearly dead but it's like carried out by this like weird uh this weird sort of robot vessel that has the emperor's face on it so i've seen that cut sequence i just can't remember where but uh so we get sort of this this uh, debate about the loss the loss of life in war, which it would not on first read for Mayfield would be the position we would expect. And Mayfield's coming at the at Hess from the perspective of the soldier, and Hess is offering the perspective of someone in high command. Uh, in essence, you know that the, the the losses in war are far outweighed by what is gained. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the thing that really sort of pushes. Uh, pushes Mayfield over the line is in essence this notion of what could happen with the Rhydonium that they delivered and then they Mm -hmm. say that they're going to basically cause a bunch of trouble with that Rhydonium and they're going to do that in a way that's going to make people want to shed and get rid of the New Republic and welcome the remnants of the Empire back with open arms that people really just want order so that whole like sequence really awesome as well and that's when Mayfield snaps and we get to see that he truly does earn the distinction sharpshooter <laughs> so yeah oh just, he shoots him straight in the heart I yes. love the moment after he shoots him he like they both looked in and Megs look at each other and yes Dan's got the look of like what the hell man I'm a, we're doing my mission and yeah. Megs is like I have to do what I have to do you know like yes. you have your mission but I have my life and this is a redemption of my life and and it's now we get to see uh, Mayfield in action, and so he you know like leans and sh- he basically leans and shoots three people in quick succession. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't see the uh, the coastal troopers' uh, face, but there's kind of like a, a there's a trooper that's in essence caught in the crossfire in the mess. There's this sort of hilarious yeah. moment Dumbfound. where he's like, oh oh shit, like what's just happened. Uh, and then, you know, in essence, we figure out that, uh, that the, the, the jig is up and now they've got to shoot their way out. Um, they, in essence, break their way out over, uh, through a window uh, of the mess hall, which I thought was great. Yes. Which was perfect. And we see now that there, you know, happens to be overlooking a waterfall that's the refineries on. And now it's a matter of, can they get to, yeah, we have Fennec and Cara Dune that are there eyeing the window they were ready for the window to be their point of exit yes and so they were there snipering anyone who was coming out and they basically you know in essence they're gonna they're gonna clear the they think they're gonna clear the roof for for boba to land with slave one and now they find Mm -hmm. out that they're actually going to be covering mayfield and din as they make it out we get this uh, cool sequence around being able for them to to jump and make it on to the slave one, and then we have this sort of moment of the of the Tuscan rifle, where we get to see a shot, just an impossible shot uh, that Mayfield takes from within uh, slave one just before they actually leave. Yeah, and a moving ship. Up. Moving before ship. anyone thinks they could also make that shot. 
the ship is in motion and he's like a quarterback eyeing out what the future is going to be hits it straight in the Rhydonium. And he takes out both vehicles and the entire refinery looks like it is an explosion. And then we, in essence, have the whole callback of like, well, I guess I'm going back to the chop fields and we Mm -hmm. find out, no, you are not going back to the chop fields. Oh, wait, Andy, I'm not going to let us go skip over a seismic bomb. Oh, that's right. How could I forget? Yeah, when they are flying away, a couple of TIE fighters show up and you're like, oh, no, they will be caught. And then Slave One releases a seismic bomb that we've seen in the prequels. Yes. Which makes a very great noise. Oh, everyone loves that sound. When I was reading on uh, the Reddit stuff afterwards, people are like, I'm so happy to use my soundbar for this. You know, like that is why you have a good sound system is for moments like that. And the size well, of that bomb depth happens. charge, man. It's one of the just best to see things it to come, come out, out of the prequel. Oh, exactly. Yeah. When it came out, everyone was like, oh, yes. Just because we know the noise is coming and it's so satisfying. So after that, then they meet up with their snipers on ground. Yep. And, and we get this like, like exchange. And Migs uh-huh. is like, hey, you know, I guess I'll go back to the chop fields, right? Which, you know, at various points, yeah. given the danger that he was in, he was kind of hoping to be back, you know, drilling on. Yeah, he's like, uh, I'm guessing just a house elf now. Yeah. And what we, we realize is this is now uh, this is now the most important thing that we've learned about the various New Republic marshals is that they eventually will let somebody go for their good deeds and they leave them stranded on a random planet. So, yeah, no, exactly. Like, oh, no, you're <laughs> we're going to make sure you're dead on paperwork, which is going <laughs> to be great now when he's like, like, wait, I really thought he was going to jump in that ship or something. But no, yeah. he's just left on the planet where he just murdered a lot of people. Yep. And they're like, you know what? Have fun. Uh, there you go. You're you're free to go. Uh, we'll remand you to your own custody now. Mm-hmm. Genie, uh, you're free and- now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really curious to see, because I believe he will come back. But now he's got to come back as like a different name or something, too. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, what will he, I mean, uh, given how, how awesome uh, Bill Burr you know, did this episode, I would love yeah. to see him come back. I'd love, I'd love to see him come back. I'd love to see him appear crossover somewhere else. Cause now there's, you know, 11 other spots that he could cross <laughs> over to in theory. That's true. Um, uh, but, but yeah, so that was, um, he'll be back. He's beloved. Yeah. And, uh, as, as some people have pointed out now, the, the Boston accent is now Canon. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's always nice. He's going to go to space uh, Boston. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we leave the whole mission and Din has, uh, Din had to remove his, his helmet, but he has the coordinates now from Moff Gideon's ship. And then we get an epic pronouncement where Din records a recording that's broadcast to Moff Gideon. The comms officer comes in and tells him he has to see this. Mm -hmm. And Din delivers back to Moff Gideon, Moff Gideon's speech to him from the town square in Navarro chapter eight with some important modifications where Moff Gideon was talking about the child as though he was an it or property. And Uh Din's response is about how he will, he means more to me than he'll ever know, acknowledging the humanity and sentience of Grogu. Uh, And we are set up now for a chapter 16 where there's our crew knowing the location of the ship. Oh, showdown is coming. Andy? Yes. How many seismic bombs would you give this episode? I would give this 10 seismic bombs. 
Wow. 10 seismic bombs. Yes. I, as much as this was moving the story along and everything, and it was full of excitement, for some reason, I didn't get that high that I got the last three or four weeks. So I'm going to have to give it like seven, I think seven freed prisoners out of 10. Seven freed prisoners. Interesting. So now is this, so if we start now, we're at a point where we can compare a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this episode, this episode's better than chapter nine, the Marshall? Yes. But is this episode better than chapter 10, the passenger? Um, That's all all part. I think you gave it seven. I think you gave it seven frog eggs. If I remember correctly. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then so I would say you know. On par. Okay. Yeah, I would give it the same because it was like, oh yeah, this is very fun. I could definitely show this to a Star Wars person. I can't make this a starter episode, so that that yeah. takes it away. Unlike the last two, where like if those were the first episode you ever saw, you're like, well, I'm gonna want to watch more of this to get more of this. You know, yeah, like. That's... And so, like, I this mean, was I... not really that kind of thing. This is not where I expected. Yeah, this is not where I expected them to go. Yeah, so yeah. you know, like, and I'm also okay. really upset I mean, to see them let Migs go unless he shows up in the next episode. Like, hey, I hit on your ship. <laughs> He's a castaway you know, like, now. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind any of that. But it was just like, oh, wait a second, you're not being responsible here. But it does push it in some good areas, and I'm super excited for episode eight. I also think that maybe my expectations were too high because the last two episodes were so phenomenal yeah. and like so shocking. I was yeah, they- shocked by the other ones. This one was like, oh, I'm watching Mandalorian. The other one, I was like shocked. I'm like, I can't believe we're doing this Mandalorian. Yeah. So um, the one thing that that I had gotten as feedback was um, it was uh, it was one of the sort of side quest style episodes with a with a you know with a a small thing that's a big deal yeah and and like i i guess that you know like i I can't necessarily debate that but i i really i really liked the sort of chain the 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 chain of events that led up to the different pieces i you know and i i liked that flipped perspective where we're seeing the sort of imperial perspective for a bit um and so there was enough there was enough that was to me like sort of in essence newish framing you, you know mm-hmm. topic of obviously is um pretty pretty similar but like for some reason uh that the all of that really hooked me as far as watching it and i <laughs> actually went i went through i went through it three times um with mm. i think i went back over the last sequence um the last sequence with uh, moff gideon for like an extra like would be like the fourth time because i was curious yeah. about what the word the wording change and things like that but but yeah i mean no there's a lot of good uh, things with it it's a good episode it's just it just wasn't the the power bomb that the other ones were to me yeah but that's fine mm. like i'm still it's not like i'm not on board it's not like i don't love the show yeah first episode well, without th- grogu and that's uh, that's that's an important to me important bit, right? Because so yeah. much of the hook has been uh, has been Grogu. So the the interesting thing for me is kind of of we now I'm I'm question. So I had to sort of assumed we were going to get we were going to get Cobb Vanth and Bo Katan back. They were going to in essence rally up some more individuals, mm-hmm. and that we might get an appearance of the armor in order to fix Boba's armor. Yeah. Um, and maybe get a new pulse rifle. 
Um, and we didn't have, so that's where I was sort of imagining was like, okay, they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to still get the information through Mayfield, but they're going to have more people sort of pulled together before they do that. So it'll be interesting. Well, I'm curious. Cause I don't know if he can make a call with some of them, you know, like for all I know, yeah. he could send some kind of distress beacon to Bo-Katan and she'll meet up with them now that they have coordinates to meet up at. I, there's a lot to be uncovered in the next episode. And yep. all of it will be uncovered in the next episode. That's like the best part is like, no matter what we think they are going to do what they're going to do. And that is going to become Canon. And that is what I like about this. Um, and anything else? Andy? And we no. Andy, I'm good. Is this the way? According to the star chart. <laughs>